BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Cheech and Chong. <laughs> oh, man. No. <laughs> nope, that's a different uh, road trip. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. I'm fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hi, everybody. I'm Rob Benedict. And I am Richard Spate Jr. And we're talking about Season 2, Episode 19, Folsom Prison Blues. I hear a train a-coming, rolling around the bend. I ain't seen the sun shine since when, Robbie? Since God, I don't know when. Yeah, nice. Stuck in Folsom Prison, entirely dragging on. We're going to get sued, right? We're definitely going to get sued. Yeah. Okay, cool. For sure. And with that, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a delight. We'll see you in court. Hey, you know, on our Patreon these past few weeks, folks have gotten early access to interviews, bonus segments, and some of the video reviews and interviews. So if you're not one of those people, you're missing out. So go check that out. I'm in there all the time. I noticed you haven't ponied up for the uh, Patreon. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a rough month. <laughs> <laughs> now, come over and join us on Patreon. There's a lot of really, really cool content that's uh, up there for everybody to peruse and enjoy. So, so don't miss out. Go check it out. Yeah, listen to Rich. Hey, let's get into this. 
Folsom Prison Blues. Let's summarize the episode. Robbie, do what you do so darn well. Well, Sam and Dean head to Green River County Detention Center at the request of Deacon, an old friend of their father's. Nice. John had saved Deacon's life at one point when they were both in the Marine Corps, and he's now a guard at the prison, but we don't know that yet. No, we don't know that. We just know there's this guy, Deacon, they're doing this favor for. That's all we know. Yeah. So a spirit is killing people in the prison, and Deacon wants the boys to take it out. That's nice of Deacon. He wants them to clean up the prison. That's cool. Prison reform. Right. The boys get themselves arrested so they can get admitted to the prison population. Which, by the way, is a real... Real roll of the dice. I mean, is there any guarantee you're going to go to that one prison? I feel like. Yeah. It just definitely felt like a writer's room. Like, how about the boys are in prison? They'll go to that one prison for sure. Yeah. So they, yeah, it it like, it cuts to three months earlier. They, they rob some kind of museum. They get arrested and boom, they're in prison. Right. Um, The federal agent who's been on their tail since night shifter is quick to arrive. Right. A cell block has recently reopened, been reopened, and a murderer is killed. So Dean gets in a fight with another prisoner and is sent to solitary confinement. While there, he witnesses the spirit attack another prisoner. What happens if a murderer gets murdered? And how do you refer to that murder victim? Is it a murderer? Like, is there, like, what, how do you, there's got to be some sort of grammatical. A murderer who gets murdered? Yeah. A murderer, murderer, a murderer. Yeah, a murderer. What if that murderer gets murdered by a large grouping of crows, which is also called a murder? Uh-huh. Is the murderer murdered by the murderer? Yeah. And what if it's actually not the group of crows? It's the it's their mother. Is it the murderer gets murdered by the murdered mutter while doing a tough mutter? <laughs> while doing a tough mutter. <laughs> so the next day Dean picks a fight with another prisoner, Tiny. No answer, huh? Just just moving on. Well, I did there was a it was a, it's a mur- <laughs> I had an answer and then you added too many murderer mutters. Well, what it's was a, your answer? Well, it's a murder it's a murder murderer. Right. It's a tough mutter, mutter, murder, murderer. <laughs> and what if somebody scribbled that down? Some woman. Would it be a murder, murderer, murder, murder by a murdered mutter during a tough murderer she wrote? <laughs> but it just all come back to Angela Lansbury, like all things do. You know, there was a show that was on CBS that never made it that was called The Rememberer. <laughs> <laughs> there was not. Yes, that's a true story. <laughs> they changed the ta- the name, but the pilot was called the the Rememberer. <laughs> Really, it's a person who remembers the remember. They did not. They did not workshop that very long. By the way, yeah, we recently lost Angela Lansbury. Yeah, so it's just note that as we're as Rob's making fun of her stint uh, <laughs> on I murder. Never, she wrote. I never mentioned her, but I do think it's important that everybody Google just to make sure because last time we mentioned someone was dead, they weren't. Man, by we you mean you. And it was a, it was a young person. This is this is Angela Lansbury, and Angela Lansbury died at the age of ninety six. Interestingly. Uh, 40 years ago when she did The Manchurian Candidate, she was also 96. She literally has been 96 for 45 years. But in a good way. You know, she was in, in The Manchurian Candidate, which if you uh-huh. haven't seen, go watch that movie, the original with Angela okay. Lansbury and Frank Sinatra. She is the same age as the guy who plays her son. Wow. In that movie. Isn't that wow. trippy? Yeah. But more to the point. So the next day, Dean picks a fight with another prisoner, Tiny, causing a distraction so that Sam can go investigate the recently reopened cell block. Dean and Tiny get sent to an infirmary. Sam finds the old mattress of the killed inmate, salts it, and burns it. But that doesn't help Dean and Tiny. Spirit attacks them. Dean is able to use some salt to ward it off, but Tiny, not so much. Tiny gets killed. Good night, Tiny. Adios, Tiny. The brothers learn that there was a nurse, Glockner, who died during a prison riot years ago. Dean convinces his public defender to help him find information about where Nurse Glockner is buried. Deacon, as the head guard, 
is able to help the boys break out of prison. Pretty easily, by the way. Just kind of move that sheet metal over yeah, and out that they sheet go. Mail and boom. And the car <laughs> perfectly parked right outside the prison. Yeah. They head to the cemetery to salt and burn the nurse's bones. The agent that is on Sam Dean's tail pressures the PD to tell him what she did and where she sent them. She gives them the name of the wrong cemetery. Yeah. The boys are able to put the remains to rest just as the spirit was attacking Deacon. Sam and Dean saved the day and are free. However, they are now very wanted men. So true, Robbie. So true. Well, let's get into uh, our, our thoughts and feelings about the episode. A, let's just get right to it. Seeing Cliff Kosterman Cliff. Uh, right there on the screen was awesome. Old school Cliff. Cliff yeah. looked different. He looked different to me. He was So for those who don't know, Cliff Kosterman was a member of the crew who had been was driving Jared and Jensen to and from set and also their bodyguard. I'm not sure exactly where what he, he was doing at that point early on in season right. two, but he was part of the crew and is right. now basically part of the family. We were all friends of Cliff and have been yeah, for and decades. Yeah, he still, uh, still works with uh, Jared uh, down in Austin. But there he was on the big TV. But there he was. And uh, yeah, looking mean, mean as ever, but he played tiny and uh, that was really fun to see. Uh, right. I loved the uh, the ghost nurse was pretty hot. Boy, you and the ghost nurse, get a haunted house. Get a haunted prison. Find an old, <laughs> old rusty cell block. Get a haunted room. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I liked Jensen. I liked Dean's stuff. He's funny. He was funny in it. I liked the fights. It just, it felt a little bit like contrived. It was convenient, man. Let's be yeah. honest. Like yeah. there was a lot in this episode that was shockingly convenient. Yeah. Kind of beyond the scope of the TV convenience. A hundred percent that I loved the way Mike Roll shot it. I mm-hmm. thought the performances Same. were great. Yeah. Not a darn thing wrong with how this episode is executed at all. It's a fun no, ride. No, the way that the ghost uh, is done is terrific. I, yeah. I love s- several of the shots. I love the, the scene with Tiny and, and Dean in the infirmary I thought was really well done. Right. Um, I, th- I think we were on the heels of of literally home run after home run. We've been giving out full yes. beard after full beard yes. this season. To me, this is the first slight dip, the yeah. inevitable slight dip in. It's just a little convenient. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Well, I think we're on a run here. We're on a run here of, of sort of a, sort of episode of the week that's sort of unrelated. What do you call that? Where it's like. Not really related to the ongoing story, but monster, it's just a no, like monster of the week or like bottle episode or yeah, like a bottle episode a little bit. But uh, I think it's a classic because you've got Cliff, yep. you've got the prison. I mean, I don't know if the boys were ever in prison. Other, you got the the mug shots, which have become t shirts and posters, right? Yep, yep. The Sam and Dean mug shot, and Dean says, "I call this the blue steel." I mean, this classic, really fun stuff. A but little Zoolander reference, I assume there. Yeah, but all in all, as an episode, it just it felt very convenient. Yeah. So all that to say, where does it rank in your facial hair configuration? By the way, may I compliment your mustache? I want to take this time right now to go, nice mustache. And me yours, sir. But I did. But you knew I had one. When did you start growing one? I also had one. You saw me a few days ago. But, that's right. Um, you know what? It looks yeah. different. I, you know what it is? Because yeah. you've cleaned yeah. up around it. That's I cleaned what, up it, around it. it. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You're right. It's a good looking mustache. Uh, thank you. Anybody who uh, says Rob Benedict can't grow a mustache, well, I got news for you. You've been served. You're wrong. <laughs> You got a stash on that upper lip right now that uh, is is not to be reckoned with. Wait, All right, not so to be messed is, with. I'm going to give it exactly what I've got right now. I've got a a, a, a Freddie Mercury, a Fred, Freddie Mercury with an, an unshaved rest of my face. You can compliment it. You go, hey, I that's a mustache, but it's not right. a full beard. It's not a full beard. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same. I'm gonna give what I got. I'm gonna give it the old Frank Zappa. I got a Frank Zappa going right now. And I'm going to give this episode a Frank Zappa. Frank has the little, I don't have the little blues cube that Frank has. So I'm giving it 
a step up from what I am currently sporting. Right. I'm giving it to Frank Zappa. I think Which it's almost a good, looks like a fake mustache. This looks fake. I know. Yeah. I, that happened a lot. So people keep tugging at it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. So you're going to the unkempt Freddie Mercury because like Freddie Mercury with a little more scruff and I'm going with the Frank Zappa. That's right. Yeah. All right. Solid reviews. Um, you know, I'm really excited about this. We're going to show you now our conversation with Mike Roll. So exciting to talk to him. I hadn't talked to him since my first episode of the show that he directed. Bit of a TV um, uh, directing legend and I'd never met the man. So it was a real treat. Yeah, he directed 10 episodes of Supernatural between 2006 and 2012. Other TV series directing credits include The Dead Zone, Smallville, The Outer Limits, Andromeda, Eureka, and Shadowhunters. Was that Eureka you just realized he directed Shadowhunters? Or and Eureka! <laughs> Shadowhunters! Recent TV movie credits include Mary by Mistake and Miss Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Roll. Well, let's dive in, and I think one of the questions I would like to start with, which we always do, is how did you, how did it come about? I know this isn't your first episode of Supernatural. You also directed The Usual Suspects in advance of this, correct? That's correct, yeah, with uh, Jason Kedrick and Linda Blair. Which correct. Was, yeah. So how did you come to be a Supernatural director? Well, I think at the time it was, uh, I was, because I was living in Vancouver, I was actually uh, working on Smallville at the time, and I did like 18 episodes of Smallville. And I, uh, which at the time was a very, very popular show. And so I just think it, it was just, you know, because they're both CW shows, obviously there was a connection there. And I honestly, I think they were enjoying what I was doing on Supernatural or on Smallville. So somebody came up, I had my agent just called one day and said, Hey, Supernatural would like to talk to you about uh, coming in. So I did an interview with Bob and everybody like that. And next thing you know, I got hired and uh, spent five seasons there. That's so great. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It's great. And your first episode was very similar, had similar themes to this one, the legal, uh, the the investigation part of it, even the prison part of it. That yeah. Was that a coincidence or intentional that there were those themes? I would say it's probably completely coincidental, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just have to work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because it really is almost the continuation it, of that yeah. exact story. When you story. think about it, and I hadn't thought about it that way, uh, yeah, you could see how that could be the case. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, because they reference, they have flashbacks to it. They refer to her when the lawyer's like, we spoke to a cop who said he was very, mm -hmm. they were very helpful. And then you have Malik, the actor, coming in as the right. FBI yeah. agent. And that through line picks up again. So it's it's, it's oddly uh, a perfect spot for you to slot back in. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt there's a red thread that they try to string from episode to episode, so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Have, had you done horror before? Because this really felt like a horror, a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the first things I did was back uh, for MGM was Poltergeist. No way. The TV series. Yeah. Oh, so wow. How cool. We were poking things wow. in the heart years before Supernatural. <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that yeah, was man. fun. That was late 90s, I think. And that was one of the first things I transit when I transitioned into directing episodic. I did that and Outer Limits. I was flipping back and forth between those two shows. Wow. From what? What did you transfer from? Where, where was your original? Well, when I got out of film school, like years and years ago, with the big dream and the and the film 16 millimeter tin <laughs> yep. under my arm, I thought, I'm moving to Vancouver. Apparently that's the Klondike <laughs> for film people. I'm going to go there. I'm going to dig me up some gold. Right? <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm nice. holding a stop sign you know, in a parking lot somewhere, like, holy. so I, I actually, uh, um, I did a couple of things. I was a, uh, uh, I went in through production. So I was a, a PA, then I went through all the AD ranks. 
But at the same time, I was an uh, improv guy. So I was working in nightclubs. Oh. And that's kind of how it was a continuation of how I got myself through film school. I was like, uh, worked in nightclubs as a comedian. Oh, that's really interesting. What? I've never heard this journey before. Yeah, I mean, it all started with an improv theater in where I'm from in Calgary, in Alberta. And it's led off the artistic director at the time was a guy named Keith Johnstone, who, if you know a lot about improv circles and stuff like that, he was like considered one of the gurus of improv, you know, in the world is an English fella who uh, came from the Royal Court and ended up getting a teaching assignment in Canada wow. as a university professor. And then while he was here, he just said, I'm going to start a theater. And so they started this little improv theater in Calgary, got very successful. So a lot where a few of the guys, uh, kids in the hall guys came out of. Yeah, I was just going to say, have you seen the have you seen the oh. um, the documentary about kids in the hall? On I, have, May. I haven't. Have they, it's I, on Amazon Prime. It's really terrific. Oh, just, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole scene when they gathered in Toronto and, you know, that whole scene they, they come in, came, came up on. Yeah. Well, that's really fascinating. You know, that's similar to Rich, really, because Rich as a director certainly calls upon his acting skills and his improv skills. And I think sure. I think that's a great quality to have as a as a director. It comes in handy for sure. You know, I, I'm lucky enough to be the combo plate of like that side of things. And mm-hmm. then the, all the production experience, like I finished off as a, as a first, you know, trying to get that break, you know, mm-hmm. making short films along the way, finally mm-hmm. got it. So now what I'm directing, it's a constant left brain, right brain thing that actually is very valuable because I want to, I want to get the best material I can. That's the most entertaining, but I have to, you know, cover my ass to make sure that I can get it done in time and stuff. So I'm always back and forthing as we do. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, no, I'm very grateful for the experience I had. Okay, so I want to I want to pick apart this uh, origin story a little more because you said you became a first AD, you worked your yeah. way up the AD ranks, and and we every now and then we pause and over-explain things for our listeners who might not be sure. industry insiders. So we've had first ADs on the show before. Kevin Parks came and talked to us a little bit about that role, but for those who are listening, it's you know first AD yeah. is running the set. They're the, they're the sort of the the floor yeah. commander, if you will, managing. Time expectations, budget expectations, and artistic expectations with the crew and the director and the actors. And the, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's essentially the job? foreman of the set. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So how did you, you said you're making short films. Go into detail on that. How did you transition from first AD? What was the link in the chain that got you onto the other side? When I was firsting, I'd been doing it for several years. And then uh, I had been making short 15, 20 minute films on the side that I submitted to festivals and stuff like that. And I think I was sort of subconsciously and then sort of broadcasting the idea that I wanted to direct one day. And so the, you know, the universe conspired and I ended up having a friend who I'd worked with on an episode of television. He had written a script and he wanted to do an indie feature. And so he asked me to direct. We, it was a credit card film and stuff. And the producer of the show I had just been ADing with, very benevolent guy in Vancouver. He came up from LA years and years ago. His name was Larry Sugar. And he was responsible for really giving a lot of people a lot of breaks. And so he kind of took me under his wing. <laughs> and uh, we were allowed to shoot in some of the sets and some of the locations that we'd been using for the series. And then, uh, long story short, we ended up coming up with a pretty good indie film that went around the world in, in some of the festivals and stuff like that. It was called Zachariah Farted. Huh. It's sort of a ro- our buddy road comedy. Huh. Uh, and stuff like that. So it got some notoriety. And then Larry, after seeing it, he said to me, yeah, I think, uh, I think I can, I think we, we can do something here. And so he gave me an episode of a show called first wave, which was, uh, years and years ago, it played on uh, what, where did that play again? I can't remember. It was an alien invasion story. Okay. And so he goes, I'm going to give you an episode. I said to myself, here we go. This is it. This is it. <laughs> and so I did the episode and it turned out really, really great. And so the next season he goes, you're not eating anymore. And believe it or not, and this is true. He gave me like four more episodes. 
And then that turned into poltergeist, wow. poltergeist, and that turned into outer limits. And then eventually it all kind of went up and I found my way into the CW and stuff. Fantastic. So, yeah. No, it wow. was interesting. It, that's a cool, that's a cool, that's a cool it's a, journey. It's a, it's a, it's a, and when I talk to film students and, 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 and people that are coming up and stuff like that, it's, it's like tenacity, right? Uh, I didn't know I was being tenacious. Believe me, I didn't know it. I was just sort of, oh, let's make a film. Great. Okay. Yeah. Now let me do the board because I got to pay the bills and it just happened to happen. Right. And so yeah. I always say it's it was some weird luck. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, I always say that luck, and I believe this applies to you too, in this scenario, luck is something you have to work to yeah, intersect that's, with, that's <laughs> you know, because like your luck came at the hands of laser light focus on being a filmmaker while also pursuing a career in production. I mean, there's a lot of moving targets there that you were focused on while using those targets to still hone your dream into this, this, yeah, you know, this absolutely. Goal. you know, because I feel like l- luck doesn't come knock on it's, your door, I guess is my point. Like you were out there working towards that's, being that's lucky, if you will. True. And I was, I was watching everybody, every director I came up with, I, I just watch and learn, watch and learn. And, uh, you know, just try to suck up as much information as possible. You know, it's not until you really get on the floor for that first time that you realize how much you really do know or don't know. Right. right? Sure. Or don't. Or don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially on <laughs> yeah. Supernatural. It was my first day on uh, Usual Suspects. You first day, first day. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I went overtime. I went an hour overtime and I'm <sighs> like, oh no, ring, 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 ring. Kim Manners. Mike, yeah. What are you doing? Oh no. Yeah. So I got the call first day. I'm like, that's it for me. And so I apologized and, you know, you know, said what I had to say the rest of the uh, episode. I really, you know, had to make it happen. The powers that be do not like overtime. Oh man. Well, in, in Folsom prison blues, the, uh, this episode we're talking about, there's a lot going on. You've got the prison dynamic, the paranormal investigation, boys being sought by the feds. Somehow it all came together. Just speaking of full plate and trying to make your hours. First of all, did you shoot in a real prison? Was that a real prison? No, it was. Um, it was a place called. You might have shot there when you guys were involved because it's it's used quite often. It's called Riverview. It's a. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah you shot, shot there. It's, it's an uh, old psychiatric hospital that got closed yeah. down, and uh, so we just found some areas like everybody else does. It's a yeah. great location, and so we turned it into the prison yard, and a lot of the interiors were shot there, and apparently haunted in real life. That's the story. There's lots of stories of Jenny, mostly with Jenny Ops, you know, because they're the ones that have to kind of scurry into the weird nooks and crannies and sure. run cable and stuff. But there's a lot of hair raising sort of stories of like, don't go in there and this and that. So, yeah. yeah. And so for folks at home, the Jenny Ops is yeah. a generator operator who has to yeah. find power. Yeah. yeah. Without them, we're, we're just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> we're sitting there staring at each other. Just hold that thought. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, 
be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Thank you for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. You know, one of the, one of these sequences that stuck out to me, and this is probably not what Rob thinks we're going to say, was the opening sort of montage of prison. To go back to Rob's question, like, was it a real prison? It was mm -hmm. so well done, that sort of opening, establishing we're in a prison, like mm -hmm. the guy's working out, the guy's kind of chatting in the corner. And I couldn't help but think, that's a bunch of background mm -hmm. performers. They're not necessarily yeah. actor actors, it, it but it looks like so real. And Absolutely. Is, right. It, it was just done so well. And I would love to unpack that a bit. I know it's a small detail, but how did you pull that off? No, it's a great detail. I mean, uh, that's all, you know, our background uh, casting department. This was season two, I believe. Yeah, season yeah. two. But they were, they were, you know, very experienced people. And yeah, you're right. They managed to collect a, a bunch of guys that just fit the bill completely. And we went in there and we talked to, well, the eight, I can't even remember. Was that Kevin? It would have been Kevin or Johnny Mack. You know, probably, you know who so would know that? Either. Kevin. Kevin, yeah, the computer. He remembers everything. Kevin. <laughs> you know, Kevin used to be my second AD back in the day, too. Wait. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. I hilarious. used to call him the Robo, Robo AD because, Kevin, oh, you have a problem. Huh? We got to <laughs> fix this. Oh. Can you do this for me? Uh. <laughs> and off he would go. And he was great. He did. Oh, like Frank, like and, Frank Kevin. and Kev. Yeah, he was like awesome. <laughs> uh, but no, he, between me and mostly the ADs, is sort of, you go in there and it's trying to be realistic under imaginary circumstances. So half the guys just had to stand there and just kind of look around because they just look so great in the costumes. Yeah. And it was a great, as I recall, typical right. Vancouver, it was a gray sort of drippy day. Mm -hmm. And I think that just sort of added to it. Serge, you know, with the, with the photography, was able to color grade it to give it a kind of a, a heavy kind of feel to it. So, and then I always like to, right. uh, whenever I have a B cam, we always have B cameras for the most part. I, I like to come up to the B camera guy and say, hey, look, make your own movie. Just go crazy, you know, and, and I'll give you specifics, you know, when I need them. But in the meantime, uh, especially in, in crowd scenes like this, you know, the whole time we were there, I was saying, get me pieces, get me pieces of people doing stuff. And the ADs would help to make sure everybody kept busy. They were always doing something interesting, you know, trading something, looking over their shoulder, lifting weights, you know, just smoking a cigarette, things like that. And it just yeah. all those things contribute. Right. 
So were all those pieces gathered in one sitting, meaning like, was there one time where you said, all right, A and B are going to do a bunch of prison stuff, go. Or when you were shooting something with the boys, were you just using the camera to grab other things and then you assembled that as one giant sequence? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, because as I recall, that was uh, it, there was some steady camming in there. And so uh, because of the nature of the, of the lighting of the day, it was kind of a flat overcast thing. Serge could get away with not having to light every single th- uh, scene. So we would, like, if I'm shooting in this direction, then we just put the B camera in a place we couldn't see him, stick on either, uh, well, stick on the long lens and he'd go hunting for scenarios, you know, but he, he'd let, we, he'd let the 80s know specifically, I'm looking this gr- B camera that would, uh, I don't know who that would have been. I'm forgetting names. This that's a long time ago, but he was really good. Yeah, and that was pre Rosie, right, Rich? Yeah, pre Rosie. I, I Rosie's great. Don't remember yeah. who it would have been. He goes to my gym. I see him, you know, oh, yeah. all, working out, going. I'm getting old, Mike. The thing's getting heavier and heavier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that steady no, cam operator, but, no uh, joke. That's that's usually the atta- the way it's attacked. At least for me, is uh, you know, is sniping of those little scenarios and stuff like that. And then there was a, there's also yeah. a lot of a uh, lot of action, uh, almost more than your typical supernatural at this point. It's a prison, yeah. Rob. There's a lot of angry, <laughs> angry, angry people. big uh, fighter guys. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had Cliff. We had Cliff, and I, I don't know. I could have been his first time in Supernatural. I think it was. Uh, I think it was, and it was. A I think big so. Deal yeah, on, on the day or on on the show, it was a big deal because everybody loves Cliff, right? Uh, he was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've never seen him bigger. He was uh, that was big Cliff. Oh yeah. I yeah, yeah. Get, I feel like he's all, lost yeah. weight or something since then, but uh, he looks... He definitely is. I mean, he's still a very yeah. powerful fella, but uh, I think he's a slimmer yeah. version oh, of um, I love now. the shot that you have of his shadow, Yeah, tiny shadow. I thought that that was so great and so well portrayed. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, it was sort of uh, like funny weird, I thought. You know, you slide along and there's this, what? Oh, it's a person. It's Cliff. You know, because <laughs> that silhouette was a perfect silhouette. Yeah. Loved yeah. It. Yeah. Well, and, and you almost feel then, it, it, you know, you almost feel bad for poor Tiny, you know, he was like, well, I do have self, you know, uh, uh, you know, I have, I have issues. What does he say, hey, Rich? He's like, uh, you know, I've got, you know, just well, self-esteem uh, com- issues. Yeah, self-esteem issues. Self-esteem issues, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everybody's got a secret, right? Yeah. And then you've got the crazy ghost nurse. I've never seen a hotter ghost nurse. Um, <laughs> and Robbie's done his homework, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So that's a lot of experience. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Google hot ghost nurse. Um, what was the development of the talk in terms of what she was going to look like, how she attacked her victims, how are you going to shoot that? Was that in the script or was that you guys pre-pro? Uh, well, the, the attacks were pretty much written in the script and... Uh, the uh, ghost of the week kind of thing is always the fun meetings for us. It was really, really, really great. What what could we do? And the beginnings I re- remember were all based on the period that she she was there in the 70s. And so the references went back to 70s nursing style. Nurse Cratchit, I think, was sure. like, probably one of the touchstones yeah, and stuff like sure. that. So it's a what if. And then uh, Eric has really uh, had a lot of input on everything, but especially the the ghosts and stuff like that. He definitely had his ideas, what he th- sort of felt it should look like and stuff like that. Interesting. And then the hair, makeup, wardrobe would experiment, you know, with, with just talking and they'd show us pictures and stuff like that. And it just sort of kind of gets one on top of the other until you come up with what you get, the crazy hair. I love the hair. Hair was great. Crazy. No, the hair is the like the signature look of that character. In fact, I remember watching the episode and they said, oh yeah, she had a bad eye. And I remember thinking, <laughs> yeah. she did? <laughs> because I, I was just focused on the on the Medusa-like yeah. do. I didn't notice, because he's also black and white, you know, like a, a, already, already a trippy looking image. I didn't pick up so much on until I looked again 
on the damaged eyeball of, yeah, that's of true. the character. Did you pick up on that out of the gate, Rob? Did you immediately notice that she had a, w- a wacky eye? I did not. Yeah, because they mentioned somewhere in the script, like, oh, she got bashed, and Jensen's like, well, that explains oh, a wacky yeah. eyeball, or something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like I think- just the dirt clumps and the grayness of the costume. I thought was awesome, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and the, so you cool. know, and the way that you shoot the like, her advancing on, on I think it's Jensen, but her advancing and yeah. sort of a cut reminds me of, uh, what is it, The Ring or one of those, you know? Well, yeah. so you said that because, yeah, you know, I the ring was part of my sort of thought. I sort of was thinking just the herky-jerky kind of way of moving and the Jacob's Ladder thing, you know, with that. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah. So uh, we were experimenting with a lot of that as she as she passed through it originally. I thought, I just said, move your head like this so that she passed through. We could have that and put the sound in. Yeah. But it just sort of turned into right. that, just the weird herky-jerky. Because just walking forward normally with the kind of thousand-mile stare wasn't as scary. You just, yeah. You just tried to. Freak it out a bit. Make it freaky, yeah. Yeah. Was it all green screen to yeah. isolate her and be able to yeah. color Ivan, her the Ivan way you wanted to? Uh, who uh, I've been working yeah. with recently. He's a great guy. He's producing now. He was the, the guru back then for uh, VizFX. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we've he, had him on oh, yeah. a couple of times. Oh, yeah, no doubt. He's yeah. great. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But those were definitely composites. And, of course, you had Lou doing the stunts, doing the helping uh, choreograph the fights. Oh, yeah. Lou, yeah. Lou, who we recently lost. Yeah. I always think about him and, you know, scenes like that. And then you have Jensen doing some comedic moments. Certainly your comedy background probably helped with that. I mean, it, Gene, Dean was at his his best sort of comedic charm, mouthing off to the guards and the other dudes in prison. Um, was that written or was that something that you and Jensen came up with? I think, no. It, it, well, the dialogue would have, was written. It's how he approaches it. That's pure Jensen all yeah. the way. It's funny is that you, what I learned on Supernatural is they come prepared. They're, they were two of the most prepared actors on all the episodes I've ever worked on. They're, they just they have a steel idea of what they want to do. Jensen definitely loves the comedy element to be mixed in. And so I didn't work with him at all. He came and just made that offer and just started doing it. And it's funny as heck. Yeah. So I just, you know, I just went along with it, you yeah. know, and, you know, it was funny. Here's a here's a little uh, culture clash story on Smallville, which I was doing at the very exact exact time. That culture is you get in there as much as you can and you work performance, 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 which means, you know, you're always, you're cut and you're talking to Tom Welling and you're talking to Kristen about the the scene and, you know, trying to get as much emotion and it's a different kind of show than Supernatural. So coming from Smallville, I made the stupid mistake of like, and cut. Okay, guys, listen, you know what I'm thinking here is what if we this and and I remember them kind of like, huh? Okay. (laughs) And only because I thought, I have to do this because that's what you do. And then I think it was maybe the second day in on Folsom Prison Booze. Because, you know, you don't have to come and, uh, you know, peel the onion as much as you are. You know, I go, I know. I know. I apologize. You guys are totally, totally uh, with it. And I'm just along for the ride half the time. I'm just watching. You guys have got it dialed in quick. So it was another little bump lesson I had. <laughs> That's funny because they came from the Kim Manners and Bob Singer directing school where it's like, oh, yeah, less it's is a couple more. Of takes. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of takes and you move it on. But and that's all well and good if if the acting is solid and, and just getting to know the guys. That was just sort of me kind of get to know them. But they're, they're off the charts. So yeah. it was awesome. They're really, really good. Yeah. 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 Well, this is so awesome to have you come and give us this back backstory and inside look on this episode because mm-hmm. it's a complicated one with humor and horror and it's, you know, such a great episode and you covered so many bases and, and did such a great job of executing this story. And you're one of those guys, by the way, whose name I've heard for <laughs> 20 years and I've never met you. 
So I'm glad you just finally yeah, no, it's awesome. put a face no, to the it's name. Awesome. It's, it's nice to call, talk to you. Well, Rob, I haven't seen you, I think, since the show. So it's And certainly one of the, for me, I did 20 episodes. That was uh, one of my all-time favorites still. I think it's a great script and a great episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a great way for, for you to come into the series because that character is like, it's it's significantly cool because of the blend of like who the character represented, but just the fact that he was in a vessel of an author yeah, and, and the whole uh, Gospels of Winchester. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we fully intend to have you back to talk about that episode, as a matter of fact, so. Yeah, it's great. And I just have to tell everybody we're, we're Zooming right now and uh, behind you is the Supernatural logo. Yeah. Yeah, behind Mike is the Supernatural logo. First person we've ever interviewed that came prepared, visually prepared. <laughs> yeah, you showed up in character. <laughs> no I really problem, I love it. it. Thank you so much, Mike, and we'll love to have you Anytime, back. Anytime, buddy. This is Jared Padalecki stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural, maybe all the above? Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy. Um about once a week. And it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am really and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire you get matched with a licensed therapist and then oh get this you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy that's what this is about so learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help visit betterhelp.com slash s-p-n-t-a-n today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash s-p-n-t-a-n hey guys it's rob So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means, free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week, 
You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strife Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. Well, that was great. Uh, it was so great to talk to Mike. I had no idea that he uh, came from comedy. I had no idea he was an AD. I mean, he had an interesting backstory. Yeah, his improv story was really interesting because here's a guy who's like, and to make ends meet, I did improv. Very few people say that. And he's funny. You can tell. He's, he's funny. Good spatial work. And he's doing a couple couple mimes. We, we, we threw out two... Uh, Kitchen implements, and he did a four-minute bit with a spatula and a melon baller. So yeah. that was cool. Yeah, and in the spirit, <laughs> you chose not to yes and me a few times. So well, yeah, exactly, I, I did my signature no but. <laughs> Rich Page Guide to Improv, no but. <laughs> um, well, let's get into the mythology of this episode. Mythology, mythology. Excuse me, is mythology here? Why, yeah. <laughs> Haunted prisons are a popular setting for ghost stories and supernatural tales. Here's a few of the most haunted prisons in America. By the way, they're popular settings for ghost stories and supernatural tales, like the thing that hangs off a dog. Right. So if you have a haunted tale. All right. Here's a few of the most haunted prisons in America. Missouri State Penitentiary, Jefferson City, Missouri, right down the street from where I grew up. Yeah, man, that's your, that's your neck of the woods. What do you know about it? Well, open from 1830 to 2004, it was called the bloodiest 47 acres in America, or the walls. Over 40 inmates were executed there when its gas chamber was in operation. It held a number of infamous criminals, including Charles Pretty Boy Floyd and James Earl Ray. Oh, wow. Yeah, who assassinated... Uh, Martin Luther King. That's right. Ohio Penitentiary in Columbus, Ohio. Hundreds of deaths occurred here. <laughs> Hundreds of deaths. <laughs> Hundreds of deaths. Sounds like a band. I'm going to go ahead and add an S to that death. Hundreds of deaths occurred here from 1834 to 1979 due to cholera, fire, murder, and the electric chair. The most deaths occurred in the single night in 1930 when there was a fire in the west block of the penitentiary. 322 inmates were killed. The prison has since been demolished and is now the site of a sports arena where skeletons and ghosts vie for top of the league in whatever sport they're playing. <laughs> well, uh, locals claim it's still haunted. The sports yeah. arena, it's haunted <laughs> sure. sports arena. You bet wow. they do. You wow, bet their yeah. biscuits they do. Wow. Uh, that's, it's really funny that like, and they tore down and built a preschool, which is <laughs> I know, I know. inhabited by children. Weird. Uh, there's West Virginia Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia. This is a prison that was built in 1866 and closed down in 1995. Thousands of prisoners were housed here during that time, and hundreds died due to violence or executions, which is still violent, but just state-sanctioned, not right. to get too political, but... Uh, that's what the script says. Most of the haunting and ghost sightings have been reported in the North Hall, where three areas were located. The cells for the most dangerous criminals, Old Sparky, which was the electric chair, and uh, my nickname for you, The Hole. 
where inmates were sent to solitary confinement and often went insane or committed suicide. I feel like you have a certain dream of going to Moundsville to visit the hole. <laughs> like, there's, like you, that's on your bucket list, I dare say. God willing, with a, a hot ghost. That's right. <laughs> An old Sparky. <laughs> so, yeah. And you know what's not on this list is uh, San Francisco. Alcatraz. Alcatraz. That's uh, haunted, they say. They say. And it's, uh, you know, you can tour Alcatraz, and as many people have, I am one of those people, and it is creepy. Yeah. I've never toured it. I also toured a, there was, I did a project in New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico, years ago, and the production offices were in an abandoned prison. And it was super creepy, and there had been a prison riot there. And a guy gave me a tour of the building. So they were using the uh, the old prison offices as a production office, but the prison itself was still, people could shoot there, or, you know, use it for wow. locations. And he gave me a tour and there was still, you could see the form of bodies that were burned as part of this prison riot. They lit these dudes on fire using chemicals. And so in the concrete, and he said they tried to acid wash it. They tried all these things. It won't leave. It's just these outlines of bodies burned on the concrete. In Jesus. New Mexico. Wow production office slash penitentiary. Jesus. Yeah, real quick. Um, all right. Are you ready for fun facts? Are you ready? It's fun o'clock. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. The title of the episode comes from a Johnny Cash song. Now, who knew that? None of us knew that. Crazy. And also uh, the name of the prison that he went and uh, recorded an that album. Bell, that live album. Yeah, yeah. Great album. Jensen Ackles celebrated his birthday while filming. The prison yard of 50 extras sang him a happy birthday because if they didn't, they were fired. <laughs> they were, after all, background performers who didn't know him personally, but were certainly willing to sing if it meant continued employment. That's, uh, that must have been a little creepy. Prison yard of 50 extras this episode has the last chronological appearance of license plate KAZ2Y5 on Baby. I didn't know that. Why did they change the license plate? I don't know. I don't know. What does that mean? Maybe maybe the goal, maybe the point is they change license plates a lot to stay on the lamb. Huh. I don't know. I guess we'll find out as we go through the show. Here's the last fun fact. Though his character is named Tiny in this episode, Cliff Kosterman is not Tiny. No, that was a that was a trick of filmmaking. The he he the name uh, was misleading. He's not Tiny at all. No. Nope. He's uh, a very strong gentleman. Yeah. He's larger than Tiny. Yeah. And a good buddy. Good old And a great great friend of ours. And we're going to yeah. have him on at some point as well. Yeah, we are. This is a fun episode. And look, like I said, in spite of the fact that I gave her gave it a... <laughs> Uncount Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed watching it. It's just not realistic, but I did enjoy watching it. S- same. 100% the same. My, my Frank Zappa was given with love and respect for a very fun episode. Look, man, every, every episode is not going to be your favorite episode. That's just how it works out. But this is still thanks. a great one and great performances and well executed. And thanks again to Mike Roll, who always nails it and nailed it again here with uh, amazing directing and shots. What a terrific guy to talk to. Indeed, indeed. We'll see you guys next time. Go check out our Patreon. In the meantime, we'll see you next week. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars included Charles Malik Whitfield, Bridget White, Jeff Kober, and Andre Frizzell and Garwin Sanford. Folsom Prison Blues was written by John Scheibon and directed by Mike Roll. Edited by David Ekstrom. Music by Christopher Lennertz. Supernatural is executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The episode featured the following songs, which, by the way, were used really well and in really, really cool ways. Really, really Green well. Onions by Booker T and the MGs. And then Rooster by Allison Chains. Yeah, also used. here comes Rooster. 
Hey, here's a question for all of us. Why do you think they didn't use Folsom Prison Blues? Too expensive? It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, well, these weren't cheap. Anyway, good use of music. Uh, the episode originally aired on April 26, 2007. That's right. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Haida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. How about that, buddy? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Please. The agent that is on Sam and Dean's tail pressures the DA to tell him what she did and where she sent them. Said she wasn't the DA, was she? I thought she was their court-appointed attorney. That's the DA. No, it's a it's a PD, public defender. Yeah, because remember she comes in and she's like, I'm, I'm your lawyer. So I feel like that's, she, she's that's the- That's not a DA? She's the PD, not the DA. She's not prosecuting them. She's defending them. So she's All a right. public defender. She's not from the district attorney's office. The district attorney would be prosecuting the case. She's defending them. But more to the point, and the she next murdered day, okay. that role. I mean, she, yeah, she murdered she. it. And if she yeah. murdered that role, She's while a, murder, a bunch of crows, I oh, forget it. Uh, another haunted prison that uh, doesn't get a lot of mention, but is incredibly scary, and just down the road from me is a haunted, okay, haunted. So we're gonna cut that out because that's my f-ing address. Oh, so shit. we're cutting that out. You're such an <laughs> asshole. I forgot. I'm, I got confused with my haunted please, prison. <laughs> please cut that out. Please cut that out. He keeps trying to put my actual address on this podcast. God, I hope we catch that. There's nothing funnier than, than watching your face as you put together. Wait, that's where I live. <laughs> Let me ask you this. At any yeah. point when I was speaking, did you thought? Did you start to think, oh my gosh, I live in a haunted prison? No, but I did. <laughs> I, I was thinking is because I was looking ahead at the script and I was like, Ohio, that's down the street from Rich. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Rich doesn't live near Ohio. Ooh. Wow. By the way, do you know what MG stands for, Rob? Uh, No, I don't. Memphis Group. They were a (laughs) bunch of Memphis-based studio musicians. And you know who the bass player at Booker T and the MGs was? Uh, No, I don't. Donald Duck Dunn, who later became the bass player for the Blues Brothers. Sure, of course. Wow, I didn't realize they were, I thought they were like further long ago than that. Well, Booker, well, Donald Duck Dunn was, you know, I think a lot younger when he did the Booker T and the MGs stuff. But anyway... And that was also just a jam that they did, and it was recorded by the engineer. I don't think it was written as a song. It was just a warm-up jam. Wow. There you go. Um, and then Rooster by Allison Chains. Yeah, also used. here comes Rooster. I'm recording. Recording pro- stopped. Story Bell Media. <laughs>